0: To uh, week two of Advent, and uh, as Mark and Susie said, this week is the theme of hope. Uh, And so, we've been uh, engaging this uh, Advent series. We're going to be doing this study, as I said, of uh, uh, biblical characters who kind of lead us into the birth of Jesus Christ. And so, last week we studied Zacharias, and this week we'll take a look at Elizabeth. Uh, In the next two weeks, we will talk about Joseph and then Mary. Uh, So, that's the plan. So, this week uh, we're going to be talking about Elizabeth, uh, who I'm calling the right woman for the time, and you'll see what I mean as we progress through the sermon. And so uh, before we get into the Word, let's ask the Lord for help. Uh, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we just thank you for for everything that we have. And Lord, uh, we thank you for this church, and we thank you for uh, the way you fulfill Scripture uh, with the people that you put uh, in place before you came. Uh, Lord, particularly Elizabeth today, as we look at uh, her life, Lord, help us to uh, see the beauty of her life and and her life of amazing faithfulness, Lord. Uh, She has a role in your plan of salvation, as each of us do. And so, Lord, help us to see it today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I don't know how many of you uh, subscribe to the email, uh, daily email that's put out by the Colson Center, uh, an email called Breakpoint that's written daily uh, by a man named uh, John Stone Street. Uh, if you don't get that email, I would highly recommend that you subscribe to that. Uh, really uh, interesting cultural insights that he provides uh, every day, uh, and uh, their mission statement is to is to help Christians to live out their faith with clarity, confidence, and courage in our own cultural moment. And so uh, I just find it to be very interesting and, and applicable often. Uh, and this past Wednesday, uh, his, uh, his daily email was about unsung women uh, of the faith and, and people who are uh, doing great things, women who are doing great things around the world right now. And uh, he mentioned several women and a couple of them caught my eye. There was this one woman uh, who's ministering in Africa now and I can't pronounce her name, uh, but she goes by the name of Uju, and she's been very instrumental in uh, Africa in this uh, ministry that she started called Culture of Life Africa. and it's having a significant effect on uh, reducing the number of abortions uh, that happen in Africa and also in uh, battling against what is called uh, sexual progressiveness, uh, sexual ethics uh, or progressiveness in sexual ethics, I guess you could say. Uh, she's been trying to fight for a biblical sexual ethics and So she's a woman who's fighting hard for those things. And uh, he also mentioned a woman by the name of Lilla Rose, who you may have heard of. Uh, When she was 15 years old, she started a ministry called Live Action. And since then, she's been ministering in schools and she goes to youth groups and she talks to Uh, young ladies about uh, sexual ethics and and, uh, particularly about the ills of abortion and and what that is to our society. And uh, she even went undercover and exposed some of Planned Parenthood's unethical practices. So when you uh, read about those things, she's responsible for some of that. And and just think about how young she was when she was doing these things. It's amazing uh, how God uses people. And she's a major leader in the pro-life movement right now. And Uh, So many of us may know some of these names. Many of us don't know some of these names. Uh, They're unsung uh, women who are heroes of the faith in our cultural uh, context today. And when we think about great heroes of the Bible, you know, the first people who come to mind, of course, we think of the patriarchs, Abraham and and the other patriarchs, and Moses, and David, and Solomon in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, we think about Paul and the apostles, and when we think about great women heroes of the faith, there certainly are many. We, we talk about Mary, and, and Ruth, and Sarah, and Rahab, and even Deborah, uh, but not often does Elizabeth come to mind as one of the first people in the forefront of our minds. In fact. Uh, She's not even the most uh, talked about person in her own marriage. Uh, Luke really stresses the ministry to Zacharias uh, more than he does Elizabeth. But Elizabeth, uh, she's a woman of very strong faith, and we see that uh, in her story here. Uh, The name Elizabeth means God keeps his oaths. Uh, which is really amazing when you think about it, particularly in light of her story uh, that we'll talk about today because God uh, made a promise to Zacharias and and Elizabeth clearly trusted God to keep his oaths. And last week, uh, as you'll remember, we were reminded uh, that while Zacharias was ministering in the temple, this amazing thing happened to her, uh, to him. And it, it's a fantastic, it's an unbelievable story. And when he turned, uh, returned to Elizabeth to tell the story, he couldn't even speak to tell the story. So he has to ask for a writing tablet. And I can imagine uh, that the, the story went something like this. Uh, uh, honey, uh, you're not going to believe this. Uh, but while I was ministering in the temple last week, the angel Gabriel came to visit me and he said, you and I are going to have a son. And I imagine her starting to laugh at that moment. Not only a son, Zacharias would say, but the forerunner, the forerunner of the Messiah that both Malachi and Isaiah wrote about. Uh, And I can imagine uh, Elizabeth's response. I can imagine her saying something like, "Uh, you know, Zacharias, uh, I've heard some lines in my day, but that one takes the cake. Uh, We are way too old to have children. And so uh, that's not going to work. But I can imagine, though, when you think about it, that after uh, Zacharias showed her that he could not speak and and Zacharias uh, had this testimony of how uh, uh, Gabriel came and visited and said these things, uh, Elizabeth came to believe, after she picked her jaw up off the floor, of course, she came to believe that she was going to be the mother of the forerunner. And we know that because of her actions. Uh, And we see that God wanted to use her in a particular moment in time. And what we see here then is that God often asks us to be willing participants in his plans. So we read verses 24 and 25. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. And she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way that the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me, to take away my disgrace among men. So what I want us to see first here is that Elizabeth conceived naturally. You know, it would have been Uh, Easy, certainly, for God to choose a couple who was still in their childbearing years to be uh, the the parents of John the Baptist, but God didn't do that. God chose this couple that was advanced in years, in fact, well past the age of childbearing uh, so that everyone would know that it was God who performed that miracle, and no human could take credit for it. Now, we don't know how old Zacharias and Elizabeth were. Uh, The Bible only tells us that they were advanced in years. Now, life expectancy was much shorter in those days than it is in our day, so advanced in years could have meant 40s or 50s, perhaps, or maybe older, uh, but it it could have been younger. uh, And we don't know how long it took for God to fulfill this promise, either, Uh, But what we do know is that Elizabeth conceived naturally. This was not going to be a virgin birth like Mary was going to experience. Zacharias and Elizabeth had normal relations and they participated in God's plan to fulfill uh, his promise for a Messiah by faith, since they were too old to conceive by human standards. Now, God wants us to participate in his plans as well. Uh, We learned last week that God can use disobedient, unwilling people uh, to accomplish his purposes, even if they don't want to participate. We learned last week about Abraham and Moses and Jonas and Zechariah, just being reminded of them and, and their journey towards what God had for them. Uh, And remember, he had to, or he caused Abraham to suffer the consequences of his impatience by having this child with Hagar rather than waiting for him to have the child with uh, Sarah. And he allowed Moses to take Aaron with him to talk to Pharaoh. But God was angry with Moses for not trusting And remember that God had to twist Jonah's arm to get him to go to Nineveh, right? With uh, amazing tactics, uh, being swallowed by a great fish. And even Zacharias was caused to suffer uh, this curse of muteness for a period of time uh, to reflect on God's greatness. And God has a plan for each of us too. And some of us in the past may have resisted God's calling, a call that we knew that he had on our lives. And we may have faced discipline for that. Uh, and God has ways of getting us to uh, comport with his plans, right? And, and there may be some of us here, even now, today, who are currently resisting what we know to be God's call on our lives. And if that's true of any of us here, uh, it's always better to obey God the first time so you don't end up getting swallowed by a big fish. You don't want that to happen to you. So we don't want to incur God's discipline. We want to obey, and we want to believe, and we want to trust. And so we see that that's what Elizabeth did. Uh, she's an example of a humble servant and uh, someone who didn't question God. She obeyed God. And so she conceived naturally. The next thing we see is that she glorified God privately. It's very easy to overlook this phrase in the middle of this passage that she kept herself in seclusion for five months. Uh, Luke just mentions this, a small detail, and he doesn't explain it at all. So we're left to ask, you know, what did she do in that time? Why did she uh, hide herself in seclusion for five months? Well, We know that it's not because she was ashamed of the child, right? She was rejoicing over the child, so that wasn't the reason. Uh, And we also know that if she was ashamed, she wouldn't have hid herself because during those months, she wouldn't have been showing anyway. She would seclude herself in the later months of the pregnancy. So that wouldn't have been the reason. Uh, I think the reason was that uh, she didn't wanna be this big center of attention that she knew she was going to be because here's a woman who's past the age age of childbearing and she's gonna have a child and not only a child, but the forerunner of the Messiah and that would sure garner a lot of attention. So she hid herself away in seclusion uh, for five months. Uh, and I think what we learn here is that as we think about later in the story, when she's going to name the child, friends and relatives are really involved in that process, right? They, they want to name the child. They've almost named him Zacharias Jr. already. And he or she needs to uh, just get away from these people and spend time with God, glorifying God, thanking him, uh, because it was a disgraceful thing, as you know, for a woman in those days uh, to not be able to bear children. It was seen as a sign of God's cursing. And so here she is. She's not only going to be blessed with a son, but blessed with the forerunner uh, of the Messiah. And I'm sure it was just all too much for her to comprehend. I'm sure she was overwhelmed uh, by how gracious God was to her in her life. And I bet she spent those five months alone pondering the scriptures, thinking about what it all meant, and particularly thinking about the destiny of her own son and how God was going to use him to fulfill scripture. So one of the things that we have to guard against, we we look at this uh, model of Elizabeth who's so thankful uh, for such a long period of time. And we have to guard against taking God's provision for us for granted, I think. Uh, For those of us enjoying uh, good health, material prosperity, uh, relational harmony, all these things are gifts from God. And it's not, uh, it's often not until, you know, we lose these things that we realize what we once had, and and then we realize that we forgot to praise God and thank him for when we had those things. And that's when we start praying that we would get them back again. Uh, We have to remember that every good and perfect gift is from above. And Elizabeth spent these five months thanking God for these amazing things that he did in her life and, and that he would take away her reproach. And so uh, one of the great things that we can do with this Christmas season is to just make a list of the things we're thankful for, count our blessings, name them one by one, right? We could do that. We could make a list at this time of year, and it's a great time for us to do it uh, if we have material health, uh, if we have have physical health, material prosperity, relational bliss and harmony. It's because God has provided that to us, and so uh, we need to remember that. Uh, So Elizabeth was a willing participant in God's plans, and and she glorified him for what he had done in her life. But I want us to see that it's more than just for those reasons that she was chosen. God could have chosen just about anybody uh, and done that with them. But God specifically chose Elizabeth for more reasons than that, and that's because God wanted Elizabeth to be a godly mentor to Mary. And so during her five months of seclusion, not only was she praying and glorifying God, but God was preparing her for this ministry that she was about to do with Mary. Now, we're told that Elizabeth was uh, in her fifth uh, or sixth month when the angel visited Mary and gave Mary the news that she was, in fact, going to be the mother of the Messiah by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can imagine Uh, that Mary thought this is going to be really, really hard. And obviously, God knew that this was going to be hard Uh, to convince other people that she had not been promiscuous. uh, She was going to have a lot of convincing to do. People were not going to believe her story, right? She knew that. God knew that. And so God, or I'm sorry, Gabriel told Mary in verses 36 and 37, behold, Even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary called herself a bond slave of the Lord of heaven and said, may it be done according to your word. And then she immediately went to the one person uh, who would believe her story. So we look at verses 39 and 40. Uh, Now at this time, Mary arose and she went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. So the first thing I want us to see here is that as a relative of Mary, Elizabeth would be a trusted confidant. Now the Bible doesn't say how Elizabeth and uh, Mary are related, uh, but the fact that they were related creates this implied trust between them. And it also creates this expectation of hospitality among relatives. Uh, I'm always amazed when I hear stories about, you know, people go to Europe and they show up on this doorstep uh, in, in Ireland or something of, of somebody who shares their name that they've never met before and they're related by some, you know, 10th cousin relationship or whatever. And they show up on their doorstep and they stay with them for days or even months. Uh, that kind of hospitality is very common in Europe and it was common in biblical times as well. And so the angel met Mary in Nazareth. We know that. And uh, this is uh, Nazareth now. There's a church called the Church of the Annunciation that's built over the site where Gabriel uh, visited Mary. And inside that church, there are, there's this grotto, the place where it supposedly actually happened that Mary visited Uh, visited with Gabriel inside that little cul-de-sac there, that little nook, and uh, here's a close-up of it. So that's where it happened. Uh, A church is built over it now. Now, the hill country of Judea, she was going to go from Nazareth to the hill country of Judea. That was no easy hike. Uh, I'll show it to you on a map what that looks like. That's Nazareth all the way up in the north. So she would have to uh, walk to the Jordan River, down that uh, Jordan River Valley, and then up into the hill country. That's a walk of some 80 miles or so, uh, which is not an easy walk for a young woman uh, and a pregnant woman at that. So uh, we have to consider that, that that she really wanted to get to Elizabeth. And we don't know. If she went alone, I'm sure she didn't, uh, but maybe Joseph went with her, uh, maybe a servant went with her, maybe her father took her so that she could uh, be escorted away from where the family lived to uh, remove the shame from the family. Uh, We just don't know. Uh, Matthew, in fact, is the only other gospel that even has a birth narrative of Jesus. And and Joseph doesn't even mention Elizabeth and certainly not uh, this trip that Mary took to visit Elizabeth. So the gospel of Luke is all that we have to go on here. And all we know is that they were related. But Gabriel's mentioning of Elizabeth prompted Mary to get up and go see her. Now, remember that Elizabeth is, she's past the age of childbearing, so she's at least old enough to be Mary's mother and probably old enough to even be her grandmother. And so uh, that's a significant age difference. She's got significant life experience, and, and, and she also had not only life experience, but then the love that a relative would have, the love of an aunt or a cousin. And so the compassion to care for Mary in what would most certainly be a very difficult time. But most important of all, beyond all those things, was that Elizabeth had just herself experienced the miraculous, right, that she had been given uh, this child when she's past the age of childbearing in her womb. And so if anyone was going to believe Mary's story, Elizabeth would believe her story. And so that's where Mary went, because with God, nothing is impossible, So God chose her, a godly woman, and we're going to see in this next section that God filled her with the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just put ourselves in Mary's shoes for a second. You know, she's 14, 15, 16, 17, something like that. Uh, can you imagine how nervous she must have been uh, taking this trip to Elizabeth and, and going to have to tell her uh, this story? Uh, Elizabeth didn't even know that she was coming as far as we know, and Mary had news to tell, and it could certainly be embarrassing news. It would be embarrassing news, and she could have been spurned and rejected and turned out and called a harlot or who else, or who, who knows what else she may have been called. Uh, and Luke doesn't even record what greeting Mary says. She walked in the door. She said something. Uh, As far as we know, Mary never even got the story out about what happened. And immediately, Elizabeth uh, talks about what uh, what happened with her. Luke says that uh, uh, Mary greeted Elizabeth. The baby leaped in her womb. And then she too was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, Remember we were told last week, uh, Gabriel told Zacharias that the child in Elizabeth's womb would be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit from the time uh, that he was in the womb. And so now you have the baby is filled with the Holy Spirit. And now Elizabeth too is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this incredible response from the baby at only six months old in the womb, not even out of the womb yet, uh, has the presence because of the power of the Holy Spirit to recognize the presence of the Messiah in Mary's womb. And uh, verse 44 says that Elizabeth interpreted the leap uh, in the womb as a leap of joy. And so that's the kind of joy that the Holy Spirit gave to John. And the same spirit that caused John's spiritual awareness also caused Elizabeth to burst into praise. And here's what she said. She cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And so, you know, we're all very familiar with Acts chapter 2 and how the Holy Spirit came upon all those people, but fillings of the Holy Spirit happened before Pentecost too. And it happens particularly around birth narratives, and we see that here in this story, uh, especially with Zacharias. He prophesied when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And remember also Simeon when Joseph and Mary took. Uh, Jesus uh, to him at the after the eighth day in the, at the temple, Simeon also prophesied by the power of the Holy Spirit about what would happen in Jesus's life and in Mary's life as well. And here, Elizabeth spoke about things that could only have been revealed to her by the Holy Spirit. And what a testimony and prophecy by Elizabeth. She called Mary, blessed among women, That's a comparative term. It means that she's most blessed among all women because of the child that she carried. And Elizabeth blessed the fruit of her womb which is a phrase that uh, we could find a few times in the Old Testament particularly uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 13 as God is promising blessings for obedience he says I will love you and I will bless you and I will multiply you and I will bless the fruit of your womb so Elizabeth knew her uh, Old Testament scriptures and verse 43 she considered herself honored By Mary's presence, even though she was the older of the two by far, right? She called Mary the mother of my Lord, which is a very prestigious title, but it's meant to honor the child more than it is meant to honor Mary. Uh, And yet still, the Holy Spirit revealed this truth to her about the child that Mary carried. And Elizabeth rejoiced, even though her role was lesser than Mary's role. And the baby leaped in her womb, rejoicing at his presence. And then verse 45, uh, she blesses Mary again because she believed uh, that the Lord was going to fulfill these promises that the Lord had spoken to her. Now, back to Mary again. Mary has walked in the door. She's greeted Elizabeth, and that's it. And then Elizabeth bursts into song. Mary's still nervous. She's shaking like a leaf, probably, because she's got to tell this news. Now imagine how comforting these words of Elizabeth must have been to Mary as her fears are alleviated and she realizes that she has a friend and a confidant in Elizabeth, someone she could feel safe uh, talking to and sharing the difficulty of this burden that she had. And so she felt so safe that, in fact, she burst into a praise of song herself, uh, what we know as Mary's Magnificat, uh, the Magnificat. Magnificat is, is a Latin word. It's the first word of Mary's praise in Latin, and so that's why it's called that. Uh, so she burst into this uh, incredible song, and then she decided to spend three months with Elizabeth. Now, remember that Elizabeth is six months pregnant at this time, so add three months, and so we understand that uh, Elizabeth is, she's at her due date by the time uh, Mary is ready to go home, uh, and so I just imagine the conversations that they must have had between the two of these ladies. Can you imagine uh, sharing the details about their divine revelations and about their miraculous conceptions and about the futures of the children that they were both carrying? It must have been an incredible time of sweet fellowship for these two, especially for the younger and unmarried Mary. And I'm told that uh, there's a special bonding that happens among pregnant women. And uh, uh, men, we can't understand it, but when two women are carrying children, uh, there's a bond that's created between them. And uh, aside from everything else that Mary and Elizabeth had in common, uh, that presence uh, of being pregnant together was really something special. And the presence of the Holy Spirit as well uh, adds to the whole story. And it changed them both. So just look at what the Holy Spirit did in the life of Zacharias, And Elizabeth, and even John while he's still in the womb, uh, we see that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, a complete change happens. Uh, The Holy Spirit guides and He leads and He reveals and He teaches us things and He makes us more compassionate, more caring, more loving. And we see all of these things in Elizabeth. And we also see in Elizabeth that she is completely selfless. She never bragged about this child that she was carrying, even though it was a miraculous thing that she was carrying this child at all. She never bragged about this child. She never said anything about this child except for the fact that he leaped for joy at the presence of Mary's child. And there wasn't a hint of jealousy between Elizabeth and Mary because uh, her child was the forerunner only and her child was the child who was the promised Messiah. In fact, there was no comparison at all except that uh, Elizabeth willingly put herself below Mary and said, blessed are you among all women, Mary. And so, It's a lesson for us that comparing ourselves with others leads to all kinds of evil, uh, pride, jealousy, envy. We we have to watch out for these things. God has a plan for each one of us. So we don't compare ourselves to somebody else. We just fulfill the plan that God has for our lives without comparing ourselves. And so Elizabeth understood that. She's a mature woman. She knows what God's plan is for her and she willingly accepted it. And she's filled with the Holy Spirit as, as is shown by her humility Uh, and she shows that she uh, truly trusted him because of the way she served Mary in what had to be a difficult time for her. So we ask ourselves then, how has the Holy Spirit changed us? Uh, When we have the Holy Spirit, a change happens to us. Uh, For example, uh, maybe you used to swear like a sailor, but when those words uh, approach the tip of your tongue now, it doesn't feel right to you, and they don't come out anymore, and that's a good thing. Maybe uh, you've been uh, perhaps careful with money in your lifetime, uh, and and you weren't really that eager to look for people who need help uh, financially, but now you look for opportunities to help people who are in need. And those are just a couple of examples of how our lives become different after we become Christians. Uh, But we should all be able to say, this is how I was before the Holy Spirit, and this is how I am now. We should have a testimony where we can say that. I had fallen out of touch uh, with my roommate from law school uh, for many years, uh, and we recently uh, reconnected, uh, and to the astonishment of both of us, uh, we are both believers now, uh, and that's something that neither one of us would ever have believed uh, of the other back in the day, I can assure you, Uh, and he's been reminding me of some of the things that we did uh, back then, Uh, I prefer that he wouldn't, actually, Uh, but he has been reminding me of some of the things, and and, uh, uh, I laugh, I guess, at some of the stories, but I cringe, too. I can't believe some of the things that I did, that we did, that are are embarrassing uh, as as can be, but uh, one thing I do have is a testimony of what the Holy Spirit did in my life. I can certainly point to these stories that uh, he's been reminding me of and saying, well, that's, that's what I was like BC, before Christ. And now uh, this is what I'm like after Christ. And so we all ought to have a testimony like that. Can we say uh, unequivocally that uh, this is how I was and now this is how I am? Uh, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He changes us from the inside out. And now we should look different from the rest of the world. And, and we understand that because Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, she was uh, the best friend that Mary uh, could ever have had. You know, Mary would have most certainly fretted that the world would reject her and they would ridicule her. And she was right. Remember, her own husband, uh, to be her fiance Joseph, uh, planned to divorce her quietly. But Elizabeth nurtured her and Elizabeth cared for her. And during their time together, Mary was strengthened. And she was prepared to go home now and she was uh, prepared to boldly face whatever accusations or whatever ridicule would come her way. Remember, she would have come to Elizabeth just a few months later, exactly the opposite, a scared young teenager carrying this baby uh, in what everybody else would perceive to be out of wedlock. And now she goes back ready to face them. And I attribute much of Mary's boldness to her time spent with this godly woman and Elizabeth. So God specifically chose Elizabeth, uh, used her for this person, uh, for this purpose. Uh, Elizabeth was uniquely positioned uh, as a relative and an older woman uh, to mentor Mary. Uh, And verse 56 says that Mary stayed with her for three months. And then she returned home. And we'll pick up Mary's story in a couple weeks. Uh, But for now, it's time for us to revisit then the birth story uh, for Elizabeth to accomplish her own mission in God's plan of salvation. And so we'll look at the birth of John the Baptist. And what we see here is that Elizabeth was a pillar of faith and obedience, verses 57 to 60. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. But his mother answered and said, No, indeed, but he shall be called John. And so we see uh, the birth of the forerunner as God promised. God keeps his oaths, and Elizabeth's faith was justified. It was vindicated because God does keep his oaths. And the meaning of Elizabeth's own name proved to be correct. Uh, For Elizabeth, God promised Zacharias a son and God delivered. So we ask ourselves then, what promises has God made to us? He's made many in his word and we can trust him to fulfill those promises. He promised in times of hardship that he will never leave us or forsake us. He promised each one of us that if we believe in his son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, that our (coughs) salvation is eternally secure. And he also promised a restoration of the world when Jesus Christ comes again. And as we approach Christmas, we are celebrating certainly his first coming, but we should never lose sight of the fact that a second coming has been promised. And we eagerly await that second coming at the time when Jesus comes again and all the oaths will be fulfilled And so we ask, do we believe his promises? And are we living with Christmas hope this Christmas season that God will fulfill all that he has promised to us? God will keep his oaths. Elizabeth trusted that he would. Now remember, Zacharias' faith faltered, but Elizabeth's faith never did. Zacharias hears the news firsthand from the angel Gabriel, and he does not believe uh, Elizabeth hears the news secondhand from her mute husband, and she does believe, uh, which is an incredible testimony. Now, uh, I'm sure that it certainly helped that he couldn't speak and he was writing on a tablet and he, he was not able to communicate any other way. I'm sure that helped her believe. But uh, I want her to get credit for never questioning uh, what Zacharias uh, told her. Even Mary said to Gabriel, how can these things be so? Uh, But Elizabeth believed, uh, she didn't question, and then she conceived. And her belief resulted in obedience. Elizabeth was the first to say, no indeed, but he shall be called John. John. Now, I'm not suggesting that Elizabeth rebelled against this hostile mob that was insisting on calling this child Zacharias Jr. at threat of her life. It wasn't like that. But it was her standing up to people's expectations. And remember, this is family and friends, and this is hard to do. And she was the one who stood up to do it because Zacharias couldn't speak. And he's the patriarch, and that's why they looked to him to confirm what she had said. But she's the one who stepped forward boldly in faith. And remember, she's talking to family and friends, and most of you know that talking to family and friends is harder than talking to strangers, right? The stranger we see once in our life and they walk out of our life and it's no big deal. But family and friends, we talk to them and then we have to deal with the fallout that we told them the truth that they may not have wanted to hear. And you're gonna see some of these family and friends at Christmas time. And you may deal with fallout, you may create new fallout, who knows what's gonna happen this Christmas season as you look for opportunities to uh, spread the news of Jesus Christ. It takes courage. Uh, And Elizabeth was up to the task. So I ask us all, are we, are we up to the task? Uh, this Christmas we're going to have the opportunity to tell someone what this Christmas season is about. And so will we do it boldly and courageously uh, like Elizabeth did in obedience to the Holy Spirit's promptings? I pray that we will. That's Elizabeth's story. This is her last mention in scripture. Uh, She fulfills the purpose that God had given her and then she walks off the pages of scripture. Uh, And all we get, uh, and it's a lot, is this message of faith and obedience and trust in the Lord. But I want to draw out a few other things uh, in in application form uh, from her life. And the first thing I want us to understand is that bridging the generation gap is a must for effective ministry. Uh, Remember this age gap between the two. And Elizabeth never looked down on Mary because of her age. She never lorded her own age and experience over Mary. Uh, And and she never was jealous or anything like that about Mary either. And she didn't doubt uh, her story for a second because the truth had been revealed to her by the Holy Spirit. And so uh, there was nothing about her youth that caused Elizabeth to look down on her. And I want us to understand that you know, as, as we look around this room, uh, you and I, most of us have most of our lives. Uh, most of our lives have already been lived. Most of our lives are behind us rather than ahead of us, although we do have some young people in the audience today, and I'm very happy that uh, most of you have most of your lives ahead of you. But for most of us, uh, we've lived the bulk of our years. And, and uh, for, for those of us who've lived long enough, you know, the, the world as it exists 30 years ago, Compared to what it exists today, is vastly different, right? Things that were uh, considered to be unacceptable ideas and behaviors that would never have been thought uh, would be normal 30 years ago are now completely normal today. And so, if we don't pour into the lives of the next generation, what do you think the world's going to look like 30 years from now, when we're all gone? The next generation is the hope that this world has outside of Jesus Christ. If Jesus tarries, the next generation are going to be the ones who are going to bring forth uh, this message uh, that Jesus wants us to, to, to spread. And so we have to intentionally pour into the next generation. And we all have young people in our sphere of influence And we can choose to have a shallow relationship with them or we can choose to have a discipling relationship with them uh, that encourages them to develop their Christian worldview and that promotes godliness for generations to come. So I want us uh, older people to to try to be an Elizabeth to the Marys in our lives. If we do that, we will pour forth into the next generation. We all have biblical truth that must be shared and it must be passed on. And it will make a huge difference, not only in their lives, but in the lives of of the world as it comes uh, in the decades to come. Uh, So we have to bridge that generation gap. Uh, Secondly, blessing others with words of affirmation, is a much needed ministry. When Mary was alone and afraid, she went to the only person she knew of uh, that could help her in her time of trouble and who might understand. And she was very vulnerable as a a teen pregnant out of of wedlock. And and so uh, she goes to see Elizabeth and she planned to be vulnerable with Elizabeth. She planned to tell her everything. And so when someone comes to us, particularly a younger person, they come to us with some kind of trouble or, or they're in crisis, uh, they've chosen to tell us because they trust us with their problem. Uh, they trust us that we're godly and that we can give them a godly advice and shepherd them through uh, whatever it is they're going through. And, and we may be the last hope that they have. And, and for Mary, all of these things were true. And that's why she went to see Elizabeth. And so I just want you to think about the power of your words. Uh, Elizabeth's words affirmed Mary and they changed Mary and and they strengthened her and made her into something that she wasn't before she uh, came three months ago. And, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we might think that Elizabeth had no choice except to give her affirming words. But I'm not sure about that. I have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Uh, Have we ever said anything that we regret uh, even after the Holy Spirit? I know that I have. And so I I don't think Elizabeth had to speak those affirming words, uh, but she did anyway. And when people come to us in crisis, we have to think before we speak. Uh, Now is the time to be loving. Now is the time to be caring and compassionate and to give words of affirmation. Uh, Now is not the time to say, you know, I told you so. You shouldn't have engaged in that kind of behavior. And, and now is not the time to say, well, if you wouldn't have done that, you wouldn't be in this mess you're in. They already know, right? They don't need us to, tell us to tell them that. They need us to be an ear that they can speak to and a voice of reason and help. So now is the time to show the love of Christ like Elizabeth did for Mary. So let's give others, especially our youth, the grace that we would want to receive. And finally, a Christmas is a time of hope. It's a time of hope. That's our Advent theme this week. And Elizabeth's story tells us that we should never abandon hope. With God, all things are possible. And uh, God can give a barren couple a baby. And he can redeem our lost family member or friend. And he can heal the disease. And he can fill our purses. And he can mend relationships. And uh, he can satisfy our heart's deepest desire. Uh, He can do all these things. And we have to have that kind of hope this Christmas season. And he is our hope. Elizabeth and Zacharias had the assurance from God that uh, they were gonna bear the forerunner for the Messiah who was coming the first time. And we have the blessed assurance that Jesus is going to come a second time. And when he comes, uh, we will be saved and taken to heaven for all eternity. And we should live every day with the hope that today could be that day. And while we wait, we should never stop praying for our lost family members and friends because he is the God of all hope. And we should never stop praying for bad circumstances to change and for God to use those circumstances to change us the way he wants to. But the Christmas uh, miracle, the miracle of Jesus's birth, proves that anything is possible. So I pray that we will live this Christmas season in the hope and the joy and the love and the peace that comes from the birth of our Messiah. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, this... This life that Elizabeth led is really something special. She is only given a few verses in scripture and yet there is so much in there when we dig in and, and see just the, the, the life that she led, the, the, the faithfulness that she lived with, the way she trusted you and obeyed you, Lord. Uh, she was a pillar of faith. And Lord, I pray that we take the lessons from her life and live them our own in our own lives. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, the reason for the season. We celebrate his coming and we eagerly look forward to his next coming. Lord, uh, while while, uh, we wait, we pray that we will be your hands and feet in this world. Lord, help us to tell everybody who you would have to know about this glorious Savior. We pray these things in Christ's name, Lord. Amen.